Tell Miss Monica I wish her to come to me. At once, Barnes. The door closed silently after the retreating maid, and Mrs. Beecham sighed wearily. How often, lately, she had been obliged to send some such message to her willful young granddaughter, and how many more times would she have the same thing to do? Her aristocratic features wore a perturbed expression, as her slender fingers toyed mechanically with the many rings on her left hand, so great a responsibility was her only grandchild. I am sure I wish Conrad had never left her with me, she mused, and yet there seemed no other solution of the difficulty when the regiment was ordered out to Simla. It was impossible, of course, to take her with him, and poor Helen was so opposed to boarding schools. But it has certainly been a mistake having her here. Such an unruly, passionate nature as Monica's needs very careful handling, and not one of these governesses has had the tact to manage her. I'm sure I don't know what to do about her. Mrs. Beauchamp's ruminations were cut short by the abrupt entrance of a girl of fifteen, tall, and with a haughty mien, but possessing a face which denoted much character, albeit it wore an unpleasant scowl at the present moment. Pushing the door to behind her with no gentle hand, so that it slammed violently, causing a jingling among the pretty knick-knacks with which the handsome drawing-room was lavishly ornamented, Monica Beecham stood before her grandmother, like a young lioness at bay. Barnes told me that you had sent for me, Grandmama. With a visible shudder at the noise made by the slamming door, Mrs. Beecham sat erect and spoke with much annoyance as she gave the delinquent an aggrieved look over her gold-rimmed pince-nez. Really, Monica, she began, in severe tones, but she was interrupted. Sorry, exclaimed her granddaughter, nonchalantly. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but doors always seem to slip out of my fingers. What did you want me for, Grandmama? Would you mind being quick, because I'm in a great hurry? Even insubordinate Monica quailed before the expressions which flitted across the old lady's features amazement, anger, and finally scorn. I am simply underscore astounded underscore at your rudeness, Monica, she said, sternly. How you can possibly allow yourself to speak to me in such a manner, I cannot imagine. It is very evident that you are no Beecham. The scorn expressed in her grandmother's tones acted in the same way as a touch of the whip about the ears of a thoroughbred mare. She started, and tears of wounded pride welled up in her flashing hazel eyes, but they were quickly forced back. I am a Beecham, she cried, her lips quivering with anger, and her head thrown back. Everyone says I am my father over again. So you may be, in looks, Monica but he would never have dreamed of addressing me in the manner you did just now. Well, perhaps he wasn't aggravated like I am. Miss Thompson is enough to provoke a saint, she added, sotto voce, with a furtive glance at the old lady's face. But Mrs. Beecham took no notice of it. Indeed, it is doubtful if she heard the remark, so engrossed was she in deciding how best to deliver the lecture she had undertaken to give Monica. A startled exclamation from her grandchild, who had been moodily staring out of one of the French windows, which overlooked a large sweep of the carriage drive, effectually roused her. Oh! Now he's gone, I do call it too bad. What do you mean, 
Monica, queried the old lady, rising from her chair and following the direction of Monica's glance. Who has gone? Why, Tom? The stable boy, you know, Grandmama, she added, as Mrs. Beecham looked incredulous. I was in the yard when you sent for me, and he was telling me about the jolliest little wire-haired terrier his father wants to sell, and I. Monica, how many times have I told you I will not allow you to frequent the stable yard? I am sure it is there that you pick up all the vulgar expressions you are so continually using. I begin to think Miss Thompson is right in saying you are no lady. Bother Miss Thompson, cried Monica, now thoroughly angry, and losing all control of her words, she's a sly old cat, that's what she is, spying round after me all day long. It's the only bit of fun I get, when I... Be quiet, Monica, and listen to me, said her grandmother, who was scarcely less angry, but who held herself in admirable check. It is quite time that someone controlled you, and I have sent for you this afternoon to tell you that I am going to. Send me away to boarding school, interrupted Monica, her anger temporarily subsiding, for, of all things, she desired to go away to school, but it had always been tabooed. Oh. Grandmama, do, I would really behave well there. And she seized one of the old lady's white hands impulsively in her warm, and decidedly dirty young fingers, while the girlish face quivered with excitement, until she looked a totally different being. But she was doomed to disappointment. Nothing of the kind, Monica, replied Mrs. Beecham coldly and withdrawing her hand. She never responded to her granddaughter's advances, which probably accounted for the difficulty she had in dealing with her, for Monica had a warm heart hidden away somewhere which no one but her father had ever reached. I was going to say, when you so rudely interrupted me again, that as you have had four governesses within very little more than a year, who, one and all, have declared that you are unmanageable, and that it is an utter impossibility to teach you, I shall be obliged to seek some other mode of education for you. Monica's face, which had fallen considerably at the beginning of her grandmother's speech, now brightened visibly. There is nothing else but boarding school left, she said, with satisfaction. It was to this end that she had made the lives of her long-suffering instructresses unendurable by her tricks and general unruliness. You know perfectly well, Monica, that you will never go to a boarding school, replied Mrs. Beecham. That was only a fad of mother's, said Monica, disdainfully. Dad would never have forbidden it. He thought no end of Harrow, and I'm sure he would let me go to school if you told him what a bother the old governesses are. He knows what a trouble, you, are, said her grandmother sententiously, and her glance fell on a foreign letter lying on her escritoire nearby, which Monica now noticed for the first time. Oh. Have you heard from Dad, Grandmama? Is there a letter for me? she cried eagerly. Yes. I have heard from your father, and there is a letter for you, Mrs. Beecham repeated, slowly, but she did not reach out her hand for it. Impetuous Monica was about to snatch it up, but her grandmother stayed her hand. Wait, Monica, until I have finished, and then you may take your letter to the schoolroom to read. For months I did not tell your father a word about your troublesome ways, 
but lately you have been so incorrigible that I was compelled to let him know. And now this letter has come in reply to mine, and your father is grieved beyond expression. No doubt he will tell you the same in your letter, and he wishes me to consult Mr. Bertram, the lawyer, as to which school it will be best to send you to immediately. But it will be a day school. Now you may go. Monica snatched up the letter handed to her without a word and was gone. Mrs. Beecham breathed a sigh of relief and rang the bell for tea. The letter and consequent interview with her unruly grandchild had tired her out. Meanwhile, Monica had fled to her own room, a perfect little paradise, containing all the things most dear to a young girl's heart. Everything in it, from the dainty bed to the little rocking chair beside the open window, was blue, carpet, curtains, walls, all took the prevailing tint, and most girls of Monica's age would have reveled in such surroundings, and have taken a pride in having everything kept in spick and span order, in so charming a domain. But not so Monica, one of her worst failings was untidiness. The shoes which she had worn out of doors that morning, and which had been carelessly tossed in a corner, were making dirty little puddles on the blue and white linoleum, for she had been caught in a heavy April shower. Her hat and jacket had been tossed promiscuously on to the most convenient chair, one glove was lying on the bed, the other well, as a matter of fact she had dropped that halfway home, but had not missed it yet, that would mean a fruitless hunt through drawers, all more or less in confusion, next time she went out. The comb and brush she had hastily used, to make herself sufficiently tidy to pass muster with her grandmother at the luncheon table, were still lying on the dainty little duchesse table, while the drawer which should have contained them was half open, disclosing a medley of all kinds. These are only samples of Miss Monica's muddles, as the long-suffering under-housemaid, whose duty it was to keep the young lady's room in order, called them. I can't seem to keep things tidy nohow, she would confide to the kitchen maid, as soon as ever I get it straightened up of a morning, in she bounces, and begins a topsy-turvying up of everything. But Monica noticed none of these things, if the room had been in absolute chaos she would have been oblivious of it, while she held a thin sheet of foreign paper, covered with her father's writing, in her hand.